the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies. Strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We're securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Are you ready for the Labor Day weekend? This is that long weekend that signals the end of summer. I'm still trying to recall what I did this summer. The whole thing just flew by with a wink of an eye. I can't believe it's Labor Day already. Now the kids are back in school, uh, or they will be soon. I know Overland College opened up. I see that some people are starting to get ready for the fall. Don't worry. It doesn't really start until September. I think it's 22nd. And maybe there'll still be some hot days with temperatures in the 90s. Uh, you, you and I will both bet on that. This summer has been really good with regard to the some warm days, but uh, maybe a few really hot ones, too. I think in overall, it's been the perfect summer. Certainly, it's been the perfect summer for all the vegetation and the crops and everything else like that. We've got enough rain to really keep things green, and uh, there wasn't any hint of a, of a drought in the summer at all. Some people may be traveling this long weekend, but some of us, probably most of us, will be trying to work our weekend list and get us uh, The list is a little longer than usual. We've got to get three days for it. That's not to say we won't find the time to relax and spend some time with family and friends, 
But most of the time when we spend on things around the house, mostly outside, if weather permits, and to take our minds off this long to-do list, we can take some time to check on our financial plans and on our economy and what's happening to our investment. This week, global equities are mostly up. In the United States, two of the three major uh, equities were up for the uh, indices, were up for the week. The uh, European Union was mixed, and the U.K. was up. Asia was up. Uh, Friday's close, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 35,369.09, which meant it was down two-tenths of a percent for the week. Standard and Poor 500 uh, closed at 4,535.43, which means that it was up six-tenths of the week. And the NASDAQ uh, closed at 15,363.52, which shows that it was up 1.5% for the week. Now, the effect of the uh, COVID uh, Delta variant uh, showed up as a big surprise in the Department of Labor payroll report yesterday. Uh, the consensus expectations from the, you know, from the different uh, publications, the Wall Street Journal, and Bloomberg, and a lot of notes from other uh, brokerages indicated that the expectations were for a payroll increase somewhere between 700,000 and 800,000 jobs. But the jobs report for August showed a sharp uh, deceleration in hiring amid the uh, COVID Delta's latest spread. Uh, the August payroll increase was 235,000. Well, that was after payroll increases of 962,000 in June and 1,053,000 in July. So 235 was a real shocker. Uh, what happened? Well, the last time the payroll increase was this small was in April, and then it was 269,000. The big drop-off in the payroll was primarily in the service sector, you know, and leisure and hospitality, things like restaurants, drinking places, hotels, uh, where the uh, increase uh, last month in July, increase in those areas is 340,000 uh, new jobs. But that sector has been uh, basically as those type of things respond people becoming more cautious with regards to this uh, COVID Delta. And while the, uh, uh, the payroll increase in August was minimal, the economy showed uh, positive results in just, just about everywhere you look, home construction, home sales, manufacturing. Some cases, things are slowing down a little bit. Factory orders in June and June, in July were up, but less than the previous month. Uh, consumer spending was up, but still not up as much as the previous month. Uh, incomes are up. Uh, managers in the manufacturing sector reported that uh, August manufacturing uh, was better than July in terms of uh, new orders, production, employment, backlogs, things of this nature, managers in the service sector also reported that services were growing, but at a slower pace than in July. So 
basically what we're saying is the economy has been stronger and broader <clears throat> than economists originally estimated. Uh, companies were basically caught flat-footed, and uh, companies were looking everywhere for workers. Now, companies were fighting with their suppliers to get orders filled and delivered, and uh, you wanted when was the new management uh, problem. But now we have to solve another problem, and that's the uh, this COVID delta. Both uh, of the COVID delta was being approximately 1,500 deaths a day, and people are becoming cautious again. But from what I'm seeing, nowhere near as cautious as we were before the vaccine. And basically, looking at the position we're in right now, uh, we're vaccinating people at 1 million vaccinations per day, basically 62% of the population that uh, can get vaccinated has been vaccinated with one shot, and 52% have been vaccinated with either two shots for the Pfizer and the, for the uh, Moderna, or one shot for the Johnson & Johnson. And basically, uh, <clears throat> considering how we're going to handle this uh, uh, COVID uh, Delta, uh, we now have uh, talk about booster shots. Uh, you know, there were studies in uh, uh, one of the prominent studies is from Israel. Israel had made a uh, a deal with Pfizer, whereas uh, they would use exclusively Pfizer to uh, immunize their people and provide a lot of data back to Pfizer. So the indications were from the from the latest studies that the uh, the vaccines uh, lose their effectiveness over a period of time. Uh, you know, like the, when you're vaccinated, you're supposedly about 95% uh, effectivity, whereas six months later, you might be down to uh, 60 or 70%. So that brings up this idea of, hey, let's get another booster shot and bring it up. And they've shown that, yes, indeed, getting another booster shot brings it up into the you know, into the 90% effectivity again and and makes you very much less prone to end up in the hospital, even if you do get it again. So followed, uh, if you take a look at what's happening in the booster thing, the uh, uh, Pfizer uh, has is almost approved for a booster shot. In fact, the booster shots they're giving, they're giving now uh, are basically for people that are, uh, uh, you know, recipients of uh, uh, organ transplants or um, uh, cancer treatments or things of this nature. But the plans are that sometime in the end, I think it's the 20th of September, uh, the plans are to be uh, giving out uh, booster shots for the Pfizer and the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson will probably be a little bit later. So, you know, with with uh, you know this COVID Delta really started to be a serious threat. You know, two months ago, maybe at the end of June, uh, and uh, now we've got to get it under control. And hopefully, with uh, more vaccinations and more uh, uh, booster shots, if we can get this under control, hopefully before Christmas. So 
at the end of the day, uh, in terms of looking at the overall big picture, we got a strong economy. And if you had to make an analogy, it's a ship with uh, wind in the sails, but we're dragging this COVID Delta anchor law with us. <clears throat> and that should lighten up with time and more vaccinations and booster shots. On the whole, that would just remain up, upbeat about the pace of the U.S. Re- uh, recovery and the backdrop for domestic stocks. And uh, while lingering questions remain about the virus and the future monetary and fiscal policies, the market has so far looked through these concerns to reach all-time highs. In the, I don't know, I think the, the NASDAQ uh, closing Friday was an all-time high, but I'm not absolutely sure. In the big picture, we see a strong recovery with big boosts from uh, fiscal stimulus and from the federal government and monetary stimulus from the, uh, from the uh, Federal Reserve. And consumers are basically flush with cash and uh, uh, ready to uh, get back into the economy, get back into normalcy. And if we're looking for any silver lining <clears throat> in this uh, August payroll report, uh, the Federal Reserve will have to take this surprise into their into planning, their planning to decrease the monetary stimulus. In other words, when I talk about the monetary stimulus from the, the uh, Federal Reserve, <clears throat> the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates down super low. And uh, they did that in February of 2020, where they took the Fed funds rate, which is the overnight rate, down to zero to one quarter of 1%. And they've also been doing this bond buying operation of $120 billion. And uh, that basically creates a tremendous demand for bonds and, and basically uh, when you put that much demand into the bond market, it uh, lowers the yield on those particular uh, it, the, the yield on different maturities of uh, of the treasuries. So, for instance, like the uh, the ten year treasury is now at about one point three percent. It typically is about three in normal times. It would be anywhere at three percent. So with their bond buying operation, they can bring down the whole um, uh, yield curve for uh, credit uh, costs. And what they've done is provide tons of cash for <clears throat> for companies and for us too. In terms of consumers, in other words, this three percent uh, interest rate for thirty-year mortgages is part of that plan. And if you're taking a look for the silver lining, well, the silver lining is that uh, the best guess a couple of weeks ago was that before this report on the, the payroll was that the feds would start to lay out a plan at their September meeting. Uh, and that plan would start the tapering of this $120 billion a month in bond buying. They would lay out a plan in September and maybe either start the tapering in November or December, and the plan would probably go, you know, it taper into $20 billion a month, you know, for, you know, for let's say eight months, and maybe sometime during the fourth quarter of 2022, uh, they'd finish up the taper, and at that point, 
they would begin to think about raising the uh, uh, raising the Fed funds rate <clears throat> at rate that is now essentially zero, <clears throat> and maybe raising it up, maybe I don't know, maybe the two percent or something like that. That would have the effect of raising all of the uh, uh, interest rates. So uh, it's a method that um, the Federal Reserve uh, has used to uh, help this uh, recovery from the the recession in uh, uh, February to April of last year. And uh, it's been very, very effective so far in uh, thinking about uh, uh, removing that, uh, uh, removing that, you know, that boost, that stimulus to the economy. But... uh, uh, one of the big things they look at is the employment and the uh, uh, this employment report of uh, yesterday is going to give them uh, pause to question. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it happens. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, hopefully now that uh, we'll see how this uh, COVID delta uh, impacts our economy. Let's go to the let's go to the telephone line. Hello, this is Jim McAuley. Can I help you this morning? Hello. Hey, good morning. I was going off of a pie chart, Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google, and YouTube uploads the picture of the hand over the glass, captioned, police admit, he tells you who is responsible. Okay, <laughs> we lost our caller, so... Uh, but, you know, when I was talking about uh, the, the impact of the COVID and the stimulus that we've gotten from the federal government, and when we talk about fiscal stimulus from the federal government, we're talking about all those checks that were sent out and all the loans to companies and stuff like that. So basically, this is a macro picture. You know, what's happening in the economy, how that economy is going to grow, is going to uh, uh, help companies uh, increase their earnings and how those earnings increases are going to help our investments. And uh, uh, that's the macro picture. But uh, when we take a look at the micro picture, that's our uh, financial plans, our goals, our assets, our earnings potential, our budgets, and and our savings plans, and our investments. And we indeed have to sit down there and, and take all the, the what's happening in the macro economy into account that determine um, <clears throat> that determines how our investments are doing. But we also have to take responsibility for putting our financial plan together and saying, okay, we're young. We're interested in uh, <clears throat> an apartment and a car and uh, an education, and uh, we have to be able to afford these things. And uh, sooner or later, then it, it evolves into uh, settling down with a family and raising a family, and then and that settles down into educating and the cost of a family. And sooner or later, uh, we're at the point where uh, we think we're rich again, and uh, basically you know, all the children are gone and educated, and uh, we're sitting around uh, 
uh, the house is paid for, and uh, uh, what do we have ahead of us? Well, we've got uh, retirement planning ahead of us. So sooner or later, we're going to retire, and we're going to uh, draw our last paycheck. And at that point, uh, we're going to live on our investments and our Social Security and our pension and everything else for the next 30 years. So that's a pretty big uh, cost, too. So what we have to do is get serious about identifying our goals, putting a price tag on them, and... uh, saying, okay, how can I accumulate that amount of money by that time in the future? How can I find the money for the down payment for the house? How can I find the money for the wedding? How can I, how can we, can we afford <clears throat> children in terms of uh, somebody has to stay home and uh, raise the children for a certain period of time before school? And all the rest of these uh, issues have to be thought out and uh, say, okay, uh, we do have jobs. Should we get a better job? Should we get a better education? Should we do some uh, uh, hunting and and looking for better jobs? In fact, that's going on right now. A lot of my clients are telling me that uh, uh, they find people and uh, suddenly the people are gone uh, because they they find another job. So, These are the things we have to think about and talk about in our financial plan. So these are some of the things that we talk about with our clients. And you can give me a call Uh, uh, if you have any questions with regards to your financial plan. You can give us a call. We have a toll-free number here. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. It's one eight eight eight. So, if you got a question, give us a call. We'll be tr- we'll try to answer it. Uh, we're not uh, we're not in encyclopedia here, so uh, try to make it easy for us. Okay, so this is Jim Mackley. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jim Bankley. We started off the show today, you know, talking about a big surprise, you know, with regard to this uh, uh, payroll report. And uh, that payroll report is the uh, the employment situation report from the Department of Labor. And it basically shows uh, non-farm payroll basically collapsed uh, far below expectations. <clears throat> and were uh, they came in at two hundred and thirty-five. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, and that was way below the consensus estimates of seven hundred or eight hundred thousand uh, jobs. So, if you take a look at what we've seen recently, what we're seeing is that 
And the previous previous two months, uh, we've seen 962,000 for June and 1,053,000 for July. So uh, for the uh, uh, as employers pulled back sharply on hiring during the surge in the uh, COVID-19 cases driven by the Delta variant, August payroll growth is well below the estimate. <clears throat> And uh, hiring was particularly weak in service sectors that involved in-person interactions, such as uh, leisure and hospitality. Uh, that was basically flat after adding uh, something like 350,000 uh, jobs in, uh, in uh, July. So uh, retailers also cut jobs, the rising number of uh, COVID cases tied to the Delta variant, resulting in uh, slower job growth for two reasons. Businesses, particularly in the service sector, required in-person contact. <clears throat> they held off hiring amid heightened uh, pandemic uncertainty. And also with regard to individuals, jobless individuals who are afraid of uh, the COVID uh, uh, health issues have been slower to return to the labor market, and they're waiting for the virus to abate. So uh, the Delta variant is also appearing to be getting consumer spending growth and, <clears throat> and confidence. If you look at the number of uh, diners and restaurants, they're down 9% in the week ending September 2nd, compared to that same week in 2019 before the pandemic, <clears throat> and uh, the volume of people eating out has gradually slowed from earlier this summer. So the employment rate in uh, the unemployed uh, rate in August <coughs> did decline uh, from 5.4% to 5.2% because uh, some people just uh, gave up looking for work and the number of unemployed people aged down to 8.4 million following a large decrease in July. Both measures are down considerably from their highs at the end of uh, February and April and uh, last year, but they still remain above their levels prior to this uh, uh, pandemic. For instance, uh, before COVID, uh, the unemployment rate was 3.5%. And the number of unemployed people was 5.7 million. And now, <clears throat> after this partial recovery, the unemployment rate stands at 5.2%, and we have 8.4 million people unemployed. So basically, we have a ways to go. So for the Department of Labor report, the average hourly earnings for all employees on personal non-farm payrolls was $0.17 cents to $30.73 in August following increases in the prior four months. <clears throat> the deceleration in hiring likely reflects both growing fears about the rapidly spreading uh, Delta variant and difficulties filling uh, vacant positions. Uh, so the surge in infections which has already curbed consumer activity and disrupted in-person schooling and return to office, 
may lead businesses to grow more cautious about hiring and persuade some workers about about pursuing high contract uh, employment. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Let's talk about this uh, payroll report in a little bit more depth. Basically, what we're seeing is that uh, in the private sector, uh, the gains were approximately 243000 uh, to the payroll in uh, in uh, August, that's out of a uh, of a workforce of 125.1 million people. In uh, uh, August of 2020, uh, the workforce stood at 119 million. So a year ago, after the recession, uh, we had 119 million. People working, and now we've got 125.1 million, but we're still short of where we want to go. <clears throat> the government, the sector, in August, they lost 8,000 people. And uh, if you take a look at the the workforce in the government, all of you know the federal, the state, and the local, we've got something like 22 million people uh, working for the government, the federal government. Uh, uh, added 3,000 people to a workforce of uh, uh, 2.9 million. And uh, if you take a look at that, 2.9 million, and about approximately 1.4 million are armed forces personnel, and about 600,000 are uh, uh, postal employees. So, and the rest of them are basically people that are working in the different departments of the government. Then you have the state government. The state government lost 25,000 people and out of a workforce of 5.1 million. 
and uh, the 20,000 of them were the education <coughs> part. Now, <coughs> education, because of this COVID and because people going back to school and virtual school and hybrid school and everything else, uh, it's very hard to figure out what's happening in, in the education field month to month. And then the local government added 14,000 jobs out of a workforce of 14.1 million, and out of that 14,000, 6,000 were in, in uh, education. So if we now take a look at the private sector, uh, the, uh, the goods producing uh, part, which is identified as manufacturing, construction, and mining, uh, that uh, manufacturing added 37,000 jobs to a workforce of 12.3 million. Construction lost 3,000 jobs out of a workforce of 7.4 million. And mining, which includes gas and oil exploration, they added 6,000 jobs out of a workforce of uh, uh, 630,000. So the rest of the service sector, and, and the, that's the good that we just talked about the goods producing sector, the manufacturing, construction, and mining. The rest of the service providing sector, uh, retail, wholesale trade, transportation, warehousing, uh, business services, education, health, leisure, and hospitality, that only added uh, uh, 203,000 jobs in August. In the prior month, in July, they had added, they had added 660,000. So there's a big difference in what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Now, employment and surprising part about it, employment and professional and business services increased 74,000 in August. That means that uh, architectural and engineering services added 19,000, computer design, and religious services added 10,000. Scientific research and development added 7,000. Uh, another area, transportation and warehousing, added 53,000 jobs in August. So uh, right now, the transportation and warehousing sector is 22,000 above where it was before the uh, pandemic in February of 2020. Uh, unemployment increased uh, 40,000 in private education and diminished 21,000 in state government education and then changed little in uh, <clears throat> in local government education. But like I said before, this is a crazy year with regard to education because uh, what happened last year in terms of uh, uh, Virtual education and uh, whether it was on or off. So uh, let's let's talk. Let's get back to the other piece, other parts that we can understand. Uh, like I said before, manufacturing added uh, thirty-seven thousand jobs in August, and the big gains were in motor vehicles and parts, up to an addition of twenty-four thousand, and fabricated metal products, which is a seven thousand. So. Uh, Manufacturing is still down close to 400,000 jobs from its uh, levels in February of 2020. Uh, And information added uh, 17,000 jobs in August. And uh, 
<clears throat> reflecting big gain in data processing, hosting, and related activities that was 12,000 jobs. Financial activities added 16,000 jobs over the month. Most of those jobs, 11,000 of those jobs, were in real estate, <clears throat> mining. <clears throat> As I said before, added 6,000 jobs. Retail sales, um, retail trade declined 30,000 jobs in August with losses in food and beverage stores, that was 23,000, building materials and garden supplies for minus 13,000, and retail trade is basically down something like uh, <clears throat> 285,000 from February 2020. The big one was uh, leisure and hospitality. That was basically flat after a big increase last month. <clears throat> so uh, they've been averaging uh, approximately 350,000 jobs, uh, additional jobs a month for the last six months. But in August, it was totally flat. Uh, uh, it was the job gains in arts and entertainment something like 36,000, but that was offset by the loss in food services and drinking places of uh, 42,000. So basically what you're saying is that the COVID is having an impact on uh, those parts of the economy that uh, require direct contact with people, such as retail and also uh, restaurants and cleaning places and things of this nature. So one of the things that you have to visualize is that uh, you know, we are getting the COVID under control, I hope, I think. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, the rates down in Florida and Alabama and places like that are sky high, but uh, uh, those places uh, don't have the vaccination rates that uh, other states like Ohio have. So. Uh, hopefully, we can get this thing under control and, and uh, 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 by a certain period of time with new vaccines and booster shots and vaccinations and things of this nature. So, one of the bright spots is that, uh, you know, home sales, <coughs> home, uh, home sales are still very solid, even though they're down a little bit this month. If you take a look at pending home sales, according to the uh, National Association of Realtors, pending home sales dropped modestly in July, uh, and uh, the pending home sales index is a forward-looking indicator of home sales based upon contract signings. It declined 1.8% uh, uh, to 1107 in July, year over year. Uh, signings fell 8.5%. Uh, according to Lawrence Young, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, quote, the market may be starting to cool slightly, but at the moment there is not enough supply to match the demand for would-be buyers. Uh, that said, the inventory is slowly increasing, and home shoppers should begin to see more options in the coming months. So, He's, he's hopeful that uh, uh, this this uh, more houses will come on the market because of the high prices, 
and uh, pending contracts are a good indicator of uh, upcoming uh, sales. In addition, Young remarked, uh, with demand easing and housing starts improving, uh, existing home sale prices are expected to increase at a slower pace. In other words, right now, they're increasing at about close to 18% uh, per year. But he's expecting them to slow that pace down to about 4.4% in 2022. And uh, <clears throat> and hopefully with the median price, which is right now around $353,000, uh, will, will guide into a, a, a something a, a little bit higher than that. We continued uh, homes listed for sale are still getting a lot of interest, but they're multiple uh, frenzy offered sometimes double-digit bids on one property. That's dissipated in most regions and even in somewhat calmer markets, the number of potential buyers are still choosing to raise the appraisals and inspections. So, um, some of my clients, they indicate that uh, uh, there's still a lot of opportunities in the Cleveland area. Uh, when I say the Cleveland area, I mean uh, everything from, uh, you know, from uh, the east side to the west side to, to uh, Westlake and, and uh, uh, Bay Village and places like this. So... There's still a lot of activity there. There's still a lot of demand out there. And according to <clears throat> Young, who's the economist, uh, 27% of the buyers, they said they, they're going to bypass the appraisal and inspection uh, activity because uh, they want to get their hands on the property and, uh, and get the deal done. Um uh, Pending home sales transactions in the in the uh, 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 the Midwest dropped 3.3 percent uh, in uh, July, and that was down eight and a half percent from July of a year ago. So, the pending home sales are a leading indicator of the housing sector. So, uh, one thing you see when you see from housing prices. Uh, the amount that uh, housing prices have gone up, uh, there's, a, there's two different uh, places you can get kind of a general feel for housing prices. One is the National Association of Realtors, and I'll talk about it in terms of locations as well as uh, nationally across, across, across the board. But now there's another one called the Case-Shiller Stand. Well, it's called the case Standard and poor Case-Shiller Home Price Index, and that's been that's been in, in business for something like 30 years, and they've been tracking uh, home prices in about uh, 20 separate locations, and Cleveland is one of them. <clears throat> and uh, uh, I looked at them in addition to the National Association of Realtors, like the National Association of Realtors came out last month and said. Home prices in July were something like 17.8% above July last year. So uh, basically, home price growth has accelerated as uh, buyers competed fiercely for a limited number of houses. You know, it's a matter of supply and demand. 
and uh, people are moving like they used to. Uh, people want to get out of the uh, city into the uh, into the suburbs, and uh, uh, what you're saying is that uh, home prices have gone up. And uh, I guess, for instance, in the Cleveland area, uh, according to the Case Shiller Home Price Index, they went up 15.4 percent. Uh, over the last 12 months. In the Denver area, home prices went up 19.6%. Uh, uh, and in the Washington, D.C. area, they went up 16.1% over the last 12 months. So uh, they did the uh, Craig Lazaro, he's the managing director and global head of the index investment uh, strategic. Uh, strategy for Standard and Poor Dow Jones Industrial. He said that June 2021 is the third consecutive month in which the growth rate of housing prices set a record. Uh, the National Composite Index marked its 13th consecutive month of accelerating prices uh, with an 18.6 gain <clears throat> from year ago levels. And that was up from 16.8% in May and 14.8% in April. Uh, the acceleration was also reflected in the 10-city and the 20-city and the composite. And uh, the last several months has been extraordinary, uh, been extraordinary, not only in terms of the level of price gains, but also in the consistency of gains across the country. In June, 20 cities rose in, in all 20, the 20 that they, they focus on, all 20 gained more in 12 months ending in June than they had gained in the 12 months ending in May. Home prices in 19 of their 20 cities, all but Chicago, now stand at all-time highs, as does the, uh, the national number. He then continued June's 18.6 price gain in a national composite is the highest reading in more than 30 years of case-filler data. This month, uh, Boston joined Charlotte, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, and Seattle in recording their all-time highest 12-month gains. Price gains in all 20 cities were in the top quartile of historic performance, and in 19 cities, the price gains were in the top decile. So, he continually previously suggested that the strength of the U.S. housing market is being driven in part by the reaction of the COVID as potential buyers move from urban apartments to suburban homes. June's data was continued, was consistent with this hypothesis. This demand surged may represent an acceleration in purchases that could have occurred anywhere, anyway, over the next several years. Alternatively, there may have been a secular change in location preference, leading to a permanent shift in the demand curve from housing. So uh, house prices are going up. Uh, hopefully, they'll slow down, as uh, Young said, as... Uh, uh, more supply meets the market. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. 
Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get With Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, we talked about the uh, the payroll numbers this morning. That was the big surprise. We also indicated that, hey, uh, housing uh, prices are up. Housing sales have come down a little bit, but uh, that was expected because of the uh, uh, the price of houses, in some cases, becoming almost un- unaffordable. Uh Let's take a look at the factory orders for manufactured goods. For uh, That increased four-tenths of a percent in July, and that's according to the Department of Commerce's uh, report. It's called Monthly Full Report on Manufacturing Shipments, Inventories, and Orders for July. And the orders increased uh, $1.9 billion uh, to uh, $508 billion in July. And that's four, that represents uh, uh, 14 months out of the last 15 where <clears throat> orders have gone up. And shipments uh, increased in July 1.6% or $7.8 billion to $508.5 billion. So um, the new orders for durable goods in the last more than three years. That decreased one tenth of a percent, and shipments of durable uh, shipments rather than orders that increased 2.2 percent. So, um, non durable goods orders increased nine tenths of a percent, and shipments increased two point increased uh, less than one percent. So, <clears throat> if you take a look at the uh, the uh, factory orders, factory orders and, and uh, uh, shipments are both doing fine. Uh, they, go, they go up and down. And if you take a look at the compare uh, numbers year over year, they're astronomical. For instance, uh, take a look at the orders for manufactured goods, they're up close to 13% from. Uh, <clears throat> From a year ago, from July a year ago, and uh, durable goods manufacturing is up uh, uh, something like 15 percent, and non-durables is up about 12 percent. So uh, there's a lot of activity going on in the industrial complex in the United States, and if you take a talk to the um, uh, managers in the manufacturing, and that that's what we get from the uh, uh, Institute of Supply Management uh, Index. They put out a. Uh, they talk to the managers in the manufacturing sector, and they say, "How is this month uh, compared to last month?" For instance, like August. <clears throat> How did August compare to July in terms of uh, uh, orders, uh, production, shipments, prices? 
uh, backlog, things of this nature. And they, they grind all these uh, uh, numbers together and they come up with a, uh, a, uh, an index. And the index here right now uh, is 59.5, and which is fairly high. And uh, <clears> the <throat> usual thing is, is around 50, which means that uh, you're kind of neutral. You're not increasing, you're not contracting. So to give you an idea of what the respondents, the managers, in the manufacturing industry are saying is that uh, computers and electronic products, the chip shortages impacting the supply lines, so far we've been able to manage without impacting clients. Uh, they then go on to say some factors have been impacted by COVID-19 cases, Malaysian government, those factories can operate at only 60% of capacity, Chemical products say we continue to see extended lead times due to port delays and ship container tightness. Manufacturing capacities are impacted by a lack of workers. Uh, reducing output, several chemical facilities have experienced fires, explosions, spills, further challenging suppliers' ability to deliver on time and in full. Um, the uh, Transportation equipment says strong sales continue, but production is limited to supply issues with chips. That's true for cars as well as for uh, uh, heavy trucks, uh, petroleum and gas products. Oil prices have remained higher than, than planned and is helping secure capital funds and project OKs for the 2021-2022. Um, uh, electrical equipment appliances, business is strong, part shortage are our biggest business constraint. We can't fulfill orders to customers at a reasonable lead time. Now booking out into 2022, it'll get worse as we hit our cyclical high demand in the fourth quarter. Uh, plastic and rubber business is going strong, but raw material prices are increasing pricing. Labor is also an issue. Fabricated metal products continue to be unable to hire hourly personnel and machine operators <clears throat> due to few applicants. Steel and aluminum remain in short supply. New business continues to grow and come in, unable to handle influx of orders without staff, both hourly and salaried. And machinery says that customer order backlog continues to climb because we're unable to raise production rates due to supplier parts and manpower challenges and uh, continue to see price increases. So everywhere you look, uh, even in the housing, everywhere you go, housing, uh, 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 factories, um, things, are, uh, things are tight. And uh, uh, they're working as hard as they can. And uh, this COVID is, is, a, is a problem that we'll have to solve as time goes on. So this is Jim McElhase. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. 
It's summertime and the living is easy. This is the time to enjoy life, but it's also a time to grow, a time to learn. It's a time not to take yourself too seriously. Recognize that perfection is not always the only option. Don't let life's imperfections bother you. You have to lighten up and see the funny side of things when they go wrong. You have to learn from these mistakes. You have to be tolerant, smile. Don't waste your energies on the small stuff. You have much bigger fish to fry. What you have to do is live with integrity. Always be true to yourself. Take pride in whatever you do. And be proud of who you are and what you represent. What you need to do is accept others for all their flaws. Show compassion. Show goodwill to your fellow human beings. Be dignified. Lead a life of purpose and be proud of your values. Then, you need to show gratitude. Show gratitude and say thanks to the people who have helped you along the way. Send a handwritten letter to someone who has touched you. Call up a friend or a loved one and tell them how much they mean to you. Compliment a colleague or a business associate on a job well done. You need to show people you appreciate and care about them. Acts of kindness cost nothing, but they mean everything. And then celebrate success. Be proud of your achievements. Take time to recognize yourself and others, even for the small successes. But be humble and dignified, sensitive to people who are not as fortunate, exude a positive attitude. I cannot express enough the importance of having a positive attitude and believing in yourself. Yes, you can, and with this positive attitude, attitude, you can change the world. So, until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.